0: So this text, um, it, there's an absurdity for a man to be preaching on this text of two women um, talking in the kitchen about their pregnancy. I, you know, what do I know what I'm talking about? I, you know, I don't know what women talk about in these conversations. On the other hand, I've never been deterred by talking about other things I don't know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I. Um, I have a book of children's stories, and uh, when this text came up several years ago, I was reading through the children's stories to see if I could get any tips. And the, it said it said it hints for the preacher. Talk to the kids about when you were pregnant. Talk about when you first felt the baby move in your stomach, and uh, when you first heard its heartbeat. Show them pictures of when you were pregnant. I thought, okay, I'm getting off well on this one. Um, I do want to say that I was a mother once. Um, When our kids were little, Susan decided that they all needed to know how to swim, and they needed to know how to swim at an early age. So um, when our youngest, Elena, was ready for her swimming lessons, uh, Susan, I, and I can't remember why, Susan couldn't go to, to one of the lessons. So she asked me to, to sub and, and take Elena to the swimming, to the community swimming pool for the lesson. And so I went and um, I was there with Elena at the edge of the pool and then the instructor showed up and said, uh, would all moms get in the pools with their children? So I got in, I got in the pool with the other mothers. And... Um, and then, you know, the instructor said, now, you know, lower, lower your baby, moms, into, you know, up to, up to her waist and let her just get used to the water and then, okay, moms, now lie your baby on its back and so it can kind of float, but hold your hands under your baby, moms. So um, I did all that with the other mothers and I got through the class, which was about 30 to 40 minutes long. And um, after that... Uh, I went out with the other moms for some wine and cheese and we, we, uh, we, we talked about our husbands. You know. yeah. so, um, so this is the story of, of two mothers, it's a very human, common story. Uh, you know, both women are pregnant, Ma- uh, Elizabeth is six months pregnant, Mary has, has just learned. Uh, that she has conceived, as the Bible puts it, um, the Holy Spirit came upon her and she was shadowed with the power of the, overshadowed with the power of the Most High. Mary goes uh, about the, they estimate it's about an 80-mile trip to uh, Elizabeth's home in the hill country of Judea. And she goes to Elizabeth's house and she enters and Elizabeth greets her. And they have a conversation, and you can I can just picture them sitting at the kitchen table over a cup of coffee, over, over some, you know, a muffin or so, and talking about their pregnancy. Now I asked Susan, you know, what do you talk about? And and she said, Well, you know, you, you talk about what's going on inside your body, how what changes are happening, where you're having pain. Uh, you know, you talk about swollen, swollen ankles and and so on, and she said, you, you talk about your concerns and your worries. Will the child be healthy? Will it be okay? Um, you know, and Susan said, you know, when, when, Mary, when Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is the fruit of your womb, she said that must have given her great peace and great confidence to be told, you know, your baby's going to be okay, you know, because she said, all mothers worry about that. You know? um, it's a... It's a it's a story that is so intimate. Every, every picture of this story of what's called the visitation shows them very close and very intimate, and it's just a kind, human, and humane story of these two women sharing their concerns with their pregnancy with each other. They were pregnant... God had blessed them. They were about to give birth. They were carrying new life, and they would bring about new life. But if this story is just a story of pregnant women, it becomes an exclusive story, for it eliminates men, and it eliminates children, from this story. This story, I believe, is about more than biology. It's about spirit. And it's about more than biological birth. It is about spiritual birth and spiritual rebirth. When Joan Chittister writes about Christmas, she says, Christmas is about finding life Where we least expect to find it. Christmas is about finding life where we least expect to find it. Now, people were not expecting to find life in Elizabeth. The Bible says she was elderly and barren. So nobody was expecting to find life in Elizabeth. And people really weren't looking for life in Mary. She was unmarried and she was a virgin. Yet Christmas is about finding life where we least expect to find it. And sometimes I think the purpose of Mary visiting Elizabeth is what only they could talk to each other. Mary couldn't talk to anybody else about being overshadowed by the power of the Most High. And Elizabeth might have felt very awkward about talking to her pregnant... Mary and Elizabeth might have been all they had to talk to. But finding life where we least expect to find it is about more than biology. You know, so much of the Bible is about finding life where we least expect to find it. Moses didn't expect to find God at that well in Midian. The Samaritan woman wasn't expecting to find life and Christ at the well. She wasn't expecting anything to happen on that blazing hot day at noon. Zacchaeus wasn't expecting to find life when Jesus came down the road and called him out of the sycamore tree. The Bible is full of these stories of people finding life where they didn't expect to find it and, and God entering them so that they can give birth. You know, the Samaritan woman, you know, she gave birth and, and started talking about God's presence and the joy of Christ in the world. Zacchaeus gave birth to generosity and started giving away what he owned to the poor. Almost everybody Jesus encounters has the Spirit enter them and come upon them, and they give birth. I'm on the board of ordained ministry for the, conference, for the district, and um, when a candidate comes up for, for ordination to, to start the process, they are asked, Three questions, well, they're asked to answer three things. One is, tell us about your sense of call. Tell us, describe to us how God has called you to the ministry. The second question is, can you tell us a little bit about how God has gifted you for ministry? And the third is, can you give us an example of how you've used your gifts to, to bear fruit, to bring forth life in somebody else. You know, and sometimes the, the, the stories of the call are, are very dramatic. You know, God spoke to them. Sometimes um, they just grow over a person's lifetime. Sometimes they happen in an Emmaus walk. Sometimes somebody will say, you know, I was just at Christmas Eve and I, it just hit me. And when they talk about their gifts, they'll talk about maybe being a people person, maybe their patience, maybe their administrative ability, maybe their teaching. And, and then when they bear fruit, they'll, they might talk about visiting a homeless shelter and talking about Christ to a homeless person. They might talk about um, serving lunches. They might talk about visiting in a hospital where they gave hope to somebody. They might talk about a youth group where they, they, they talked with a child about, about Christ at a, at, a, at a camp. And I got to thinking, as I looked at this text, those stories aren't just for ministers. Those stories happen to us, how sometimes God speaks to us, and it can be dramatic or it can be really common through a carol or something. And God gifts us in ways with patience or administration or generosity or mercy. And then we bear fruit with those gifts and bring forth new life in other people. God gives us new life and we pass that new life on. There are two Greek words for time. One is chronos, which means plain old ordinary time, uh, where yesterday, today, and tomorrow are the same. We get up at about the same time, we go through the same morning ritual. We- we brush our teeth the same way. We take our shower the same way and wash our body parts in the same order and we get out of the shower and we dry our body parts in the same order and we go have breakfast, the same breakfast almost every, every day. It's just everything is dependable. Nothing extraordinary about chronos time. It's chronological. Time just marches on. Nothing eventful. And then there's kairos time. Kairos means... Something is happening. Time is pregnant. There's a pregnant moment. There's a pregnant pause where something's going to happen. And time is full filled. Time is full. It's not empty like every shower morning. Something's going to happen and it's full if we say yes. If we say yes. And the extraordinary thing about Mary and Elizabeth is they said yes. And they experienced that kairos moment of fullness where their lives were changed and God entered them and they, they did give birth. I had a conversation this week with a, with a person in our church. Um, I, you know, she, she told me about this Kairos moment, this this moment when she was pregnant. But she was not pregnant biologically. She was pregnant spiritually, that God came to her spiritually, and the Holy Spirit came upon her. She said that several years ago, many years ago, she found out on Christmas Eve that her husband was having an affair. And she had to deal with that internally, and she had to wrap the presents for her children, get the children ready for Christmas, and get the house ready to host the extended family for Christmas. When when she learned about the affair, she kind of went through the motions. It's kind of like the window shut in her life, and the blinds went down, and her world got dark. She said she stayed that way for a while, for a period of time. Where she was just in a dark place. And you can imagine that dark place. Years later, she was driving down the street at night on at Christmas time. And she drove by a church that was having a living nativity. She doesn't know what happened to her or how it happened or why it happened. But when she saw that living nativity it was as if God spoke to her and the blinds went up and the window opened and the fresh air blew and at night the light shined in the darkness. And I said to her Did you kind of feel the spirit in you? Did you kind of feel the baby move within you? And she said, you know, I did. I did. And I came birth to a new life and a different life. The light shines in the darkness. We discover life where we least expect to find it. I mean, you know, Jesus talks about finding life in the prisoner, where we least expect to find it. Finding life in the lonely, where we least expect to find it, in in the hungry and homeless, where we least expect to find it. You know, sometimes we are the people where we least expect to find life and new life. We least expect the light to shine in us. I'll just read this prayer card. This is, we received several prayer cards like this this morning. Please pray for those who are lonely, bereft, forgotten, dealing with loss, or are otherwise suffering this Christmas. Those who are looking for life where they least expect to find it in themselves. The message of Christmas really isn't biology. It's spirit. And we can find that life in a nursing home, in a cancer center, in a homeless shelter, in a church, in our homes, and in our lives. So my message for Christmas is as absurd as as I began. You and I can get pregnant this Christmas. You and I can have the Spirit overshadow us and come to us, and we can have new life in us, and we can produce new life. We can birth hope and joy and forgiveness and mercy. May it be so. Amen.